This podcast was produced on stolen Yagara and Turrbal land that was never ceded. I'm Abby Earl. Been part of the ETU for seven-ish years now. I'm up from Moranbar and coal mining. And what what brings you to Brisbane? I'm down for the industry coal delegates conference. I think something along those lines. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Uh, and so you're on day five of the conference. Yep, last day today. Yeah. So. And what have been the main kind of things you've been talking about? Talking a lot about. Um, Safety is obviously the biggest thing for most of the time, but a lot about training too, about the way that our industry is moving towards more renewable and um, just the way that we're approaching that with training our apprentices specifically and trying to see what we can do going forward so that we're not all left out of a job in the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah. And then when, when you're on site, um, what is... Because I think like a lot of the time those renewable conversations are happening in... Um, major cities and not so much in the regions so a lot of people I think forget that there are um, like consequences for people who work in coal like you so what is kind of the what's like the vibe on site when talking about um, renewables and like that transition and what it's going to mean well on a coal mine you've got a lot of old fellas that think it's all rubbish and <laughs> But it's all silly and it'll never happen and it's a terrible idea. But you've got a lot of the young people that are a lot more open to the idea. We know that coal's not going to be there forever. We're going to find some way better to work around it. So we're more interested in what else we can do and where else we can go if it came down to it. We've got a fair while to go being in uh, metallurgical coal. So they haven't found a good enough way to make steel yet. So we've got a little bit longer than the other fellas, but we'll, we're working towards it. So... Yeah. So it's quite, it's like quite front of mind for at least like some people you work with. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are um, very interested. Some people don't want to stay in coal forever. So that's another avenue for them to go down. Mm -hmm. But yeah, at the moment, it's hard to see us getting kicked out of it completely. But I know that the young people are obviously a lot more open to it because we're not going to retire before that happens. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So it's like an, it's more of an immediate, um, like, you know, that there is a high chance you won't be able to work in that workplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah forever, yeah. yeah. And would are you interested in, um, like, renewables or would you, you know, looking into the future, would you want to change industries? Like, what's your kind of thoughts at the moment? Yeah, well, I know that um, I don't want to be stuck in the one place forever, so I'll probably go somewhere else. I know that that's the whole reason I got into electrical trade in the first place is because I know that there's so many different avenues to go down feel like generation is something that has interested me. So power generation will be an industry that I would look into, I think. More of the um, bigger stuff, more so over working in town and doing house stuff. I think I'd rather go into the bigger industry. Mm -hmm. Cool. And, yeah, there's so much, again, with, like, renewables. It's, that's yeah, really and I do actually care about the environment. So that is one that I'm looking into. Yeah. I must be interesting, like having a yeah, um, like having an interest in environmental issues, and then working in coal. Like, how does that? Like, how do you know what? How do you think? You know, what are your thoughts around it? I guess I feel like a bit of a hypocrite okay. <laughs> because of yeah, you hear people all the time like I'll pick up my rubbish after me. They're like, "What are you doing?" You're like, "Who cares?" I'm like, "Oh, the environment." I'm like, "Oh, well, you work in a coal mine." Like, yeah, I know, but. <laughs> just the industry that I was around so that was the 
like more and more surrounded by coal mines. So that's sort of the way that it went. And it was a good foot in the door for um, that sort of industrial landscape. But yeah, I still try and do my bit all the time to mm-hmm. yeah, just pick up the bit of rag that I dropped on the floor or <laughs> yeah. little stuff like that. Yeah. It's also interesting because I think, um, you know, people are so, it's so easy to put that on a worker, but it's not like you own the coal mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, it's like the onus is not on you. It's about, um, yeah. you know, you're doing a job just like everybody. So, yeah, this is interesting. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I think it's, it would be like definitely difficult if that's something that's like front of mind, yeah. I suppose. Um, but, yeah, when you grow up in the area, that's the work that's available. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Mm. And the onus is on the... Um, like the government and the industry to kind of change the yeah 100% yeah change it to renewables which is um happening which is exciting I think and someone I spoke to um a few delegates at this same conference last year and they talked about uh the fact that they all know it's I mean some people might be in denial a bit but they know that the transition is happening but it's just that they the stress is around not having a plan yeah um but since then obviously the uh, Queensland Energy and Jobs Plan has come out. Do you feel like people are a bit more confident in that plan or is there still a bit of like stress around it? I think so. And that's what we've spent a lot of time talking about. And because coming from yeah, metallurgical coal, we don't um, really talk about it as much, but it was really interesting to see um, that we do actually have a plan. I didn't know that until we got down here. Um, but yeah, it's Moving forward, I feel like we do have a plan that's getting better and I think that instills a lot of confidence in a lot of people that we actually have some way forward and that everybody's jobs won't just get thrown in the bin, that we've still got a whole lot of, whole nother industry out there that we're going to, we can move forward into. Yeah, for sure. It's exciting. And we've got to, ma- yeah, making that, that's what we've been talking about here too, is making that industry safer already before it gets here. So instead of being on the back foot we're trying to get ahead of it and make sure that it's as safe as it can be before we sort of get too far into it mm-hmm. and I think that's yeah where we've done pretty well and where we go pretty well as a country compared to other places yeah for sure um so Tomo said that you're the first woman at a coal delegates conference in 41 years <laughs> <laughs> did you know that when you were like when you planned to come I didn't know for sure. I had a fair idea. I knew I'd be the only woman in the room, mm-hmm. but I didn't know for how long or if I was the first or anything like that. So Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many, like I don't know, 41 years ago there was just one once. Yeah. So it might be the second <laughs> ever, but I'm not sure. I'll have to check that. Um, but obviously, like the whole electrical industry is male-dominated. Yeah. Um, but what's I know that a lot of... Um, like coal companies are or sorry mining companies are pushing to um what's the word recruit more women specifically so was there any of that kind of push or like when you were starting your apprenticeship there was a bit not so much in the electrical like there was we were still heavily outweighed by blokes and we don't know if that's yeah could be because there was more, could be because for many different reasons more people applied, but I know that it's more of a push now than it was then. I know I had 
for the four years that I was an apprentice, I had three tradies that were girls. Mm -hmm. And now I'm the only one. I've got, we've got one of our, um, do you remember, did you ever work with Rhiannon? Uh, no. She used to be one of my tradies and now she's a, um, she's a supervisor. So I'm left as the only tradie. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so I've got, a lot of female apprentices now which is good mm -hmm. I like doing that I didn't have many of them when I was an apprentice so I didn't have many that were with me yeah yeah that's it's really good mm -hmm. to see and um yeah cool so it's kind of so there was a point where there was actually less women yeah and then it's come back in the electrical anyway I know mechanical it was quite a bit different but only black because electrically on site anyway we have less apprentices than we do in the mechanical world so yeah there was a bit more to play with there than mm -hmm. there was with us yeah cool um what how many apprentices are there total about i know at our site we've got 24 mm -hmm. electrical apprentices and probably triple if not more mechanical yeah <laughs> but um yeah Cool. So out of the 24, there's like a handful of women? There'd probably be, I don't know, that's a tough call. There's, it's not 50-50, but there's um, still more fellas. But, yeah, it would be close to 50-50, okay. but not cool. by much at the moment. Yeah, because I know, and I don't have numbers that like break down by industry, but in the electoral trade, it's 2% um, women at the moment which is very low, but it's only counts once you're qualified. So yeah. in the next couple of years, obviously that number will grow. Yeah. Yeah. And which will be really good to see. I like being able to um, train up my other young girls to come do this. Yeah. And they're all pretty keen. We've had, yeah, everybody seems really interested in, I see a lot of um, myself in them so that the keenness to get into the industry and to go all sorts of different places, like not everyone wants to stay where they are when they finish their apprenticeship and they've all got interests in going all over the place, which is good. Yeah, cool. What made you want to be an electrician? Well, I always wanted a trade and um, I didn't know what trade until about grade 11 or 12, I think, and electrical just sort of offered that um, balance between I really liked the hands-on, I liked the hands-on side and the... Um, can't remember the word for it now the, like the academic side of it yeah so a lot of problem solving a lot of hands-on work and you can go so many different places with it and there's so many little branches off the side like initially I wanted to do engineering and now I'm not so sure I want to do that sort of uni but um, you've got telecommunications you've got power generation you've got house stuff you've got oh, like a myriad of industries to play with and I think that's where I got my interest was there. The yeah. fact that I could go all sorts of places with it. Mm -hmm. So did you kind of understand that from the get-go that there would be lots of different paths that you could take? Yeah. So we had um, in Moranbar, the school at the time was very industry-based and it's very um, – they really open your eyes to what you can do. Like I know we're surrounded by coal mines, but they always tell you it's not just – coal mining or uni they're not your only two options you've got yeah you can go once you've got this you can go here and do that and we actually had a really good career sort of thing in Moranbar which was good 
Cool. I've actually heard that a lot, particularly more in Barton, like central Queensland and how focused it is on industry, um, which I think like in, you know, in capital cities, it's a bit, it's not really so much about practical jobs afterwards. It's yeah. kind of like focused on going to uni and then like, that's you done, <laughs> like yeah. sorted. Um, and yeah, not so much about like the actual job that you'll get afterwards. Yeah. Um, Cause we actually have, there's one, um, we've got one apprentice who actually did a full engineering degree and was working as an engineer and then decided to go back and do electrical um, and she's in mining as well. So it's interesting, like, you know, that's a very, uh, I mean, not to say that she would have done electrical straight up if she'd yeah. kind of been exposed to it, but it is really interesting that she decided to go back to do an apprenticeship after doing many years at uni. Yeah. And was like, actually. <laughs> and that's the beauty of it, that you can do that with our trade. From what I understand, Moranbar is like quite a union uniony town yeah um so when did you first learn about unionism like was it your parents was it work it was my parents definitely we have, I come from a long line of um unionists I think I'm a seventh generation coal miner and I don't know about all of them but I'd say most of them would have been heavy union mm-hmm. and um that just got passed down to me like I always knew from a kid we'd go to the mayday march every year and we'd go to the made it we used to have a made a parade and we'd go to that so even as a kid if you didn't understand it you're like oh what's this for and it's for the union oh yeah and then as you get older you learn a bit more about why they're there and what they've done for the community and why we do those marches and why it's so important for us to be together and mm-hmm. yeah so I've done that forever yeah and do you have um like particular work is it mostly a workforce that works locally or are they do you have some FIFO We've got a lot of FIFO and a lot of Dido. Oh, not so much FIFO, but Dido. So we get lots of drive-in, drive-out and not as many locals, which is – it's kind of sad to see. I Like, like it's good to have that community, mm-hmm. but I can see why people don't want to be stuck in a little town that's far away from everywhere. But you get such a good community out of it. Like, I've still got so many of my friends in Moranbar. A lot of them branched out, but – yeah, having that community in Moranbar is, um, like, it's a good thing, I find. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of disappointing that there is so many people that died on FIFO. But, again, I can understand why they do it. Yeah. So, were you on a, um, like, week on, week off type of... Yeah, so I'm seven on, seven on. Cool. Seven on, seven off at the moment. Yeah. Okay, so it's really, I guess, like, it would make it easy for some, for, like, even for you, for example, to be living locally and then decide, actually, I'm going to live somewhere else. Yeah, and that is the thing about the long rosters, and that's why it got, I've only been doing seven on, seven off for about 12 months now. Before that, it was, like, a four days a week thing. Mm -hmm. And then when they put that to a vote, because we've got so many dido people, it got up because everyone wanted more time at home, less driving out every weekend. Yeah. For sure. Um, so with a seven on seven off, like obviously in mining, it's um, like quite common, but for a lot of our members um, would be pretty foreign concept. I think, what do you like about being able to work like that? Um, the good thing about being able to do the seven on seven off is obviously the seven off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you get a lot of time to play with. And especially if you're on the same roster as people that you spend your time with, but the disappointing thing is that if you're opposite to someone that you want to spend your time with, it's pretty hard to 
see them. Mm-hmm. But I do like that you've got seven days, you can you pretty much fly to another country in seven days and spend your days off there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's ups and downs to it all. The <laughs> Being at work for seven days gets a bit long in the tooth, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven off is pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess if you, like, you know, a partner or family or friends, if they're doing the same roster, it would be excellent. Yeah. Um, but I guess there is always, like, uh, you know, the thing of, like, when you're off, but everyone else is going to work. So. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, so I guess it would be a bit strange. Do you travel um, a lot in that time? Yeah, well, we try and do um, do a lot of camping, do a lot of, um, yeah, we try and do as much as we can just because we like to get out and about and do things and my partner's got family in Ellie Beach and I've got family in Ellie Beach and got family all over the place and we're avid water skiers and we like going fishing and camping so that having that seven days off to play with is always good we can get all the way up north like we can nearly get all the way up north and back in a day's off but yeah cool and does your partner do the same kind of roster? Yep. So oh, he's a he floats, so he does a bit of this, bit of that. But um, for the m- most part, he's on a seven seven as well. Cool. So he'll work his days off sometimes, but if we've got something on, it's quite easy for him to not. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. And so they, your um, seven on seven off the lines. I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. yeah which is very time. good. But yeah. my best mate and I, when I first started this seven seven roster, she was dead opposite, which made it kind of hard to catch up with her one of us always had to take holidays but now she's on oh, she's on a different roster which is another thing about more and is that there's so many different rosters that sometimes your days off line up sometimes they don't and yeah yeah so at least we're not dead opposite anymore <laughs> definitely definitely I guess for people who have um like never lived in a place like more it would be hard to kind of comprehend the culture because I'm yeah. sure like there's so many people who are doing those kinds of rosters. Yeah. Um, so it's basically, yeah, like almost everyone in the town. Yeah, of. pretty much. Everyone's yeah. on something different and it's all obscure. It's rarely ever just four days a week or five days a week. It's, yeah, mm-hmm. four days here, two days there, yeah. night shifts, day shifts. Yeah, yeah. Do you do night shifts now? Or you no, do- so I only do day shifts, which is good. Cool. I can imagine seven nights would get pretty pretty long huh? yeah well I guess you'd spend a lot of your seven days off trying to get your sleep schedule back yeah and you would mm-hmm. you would I used to do six and six so three days three nights six off and I could only imagine having to recover after seven as opposed to recovering after three <laughs> yeah for sure so when you um I'm sure so that would have been uh, during EBA negotiations that you changed that no so we um just based on the departments we work in so when I was an apprentice we got shuffled through the different departments just so you learn off different people that was really good so I started on the four days a week roster and then went to six and six which was the breakdown crew so we got to we were there day and night and then when I finished my apprenticeship I got put back on the day shift crew and then yeah eventually they just as a business they thought it would be better if we were there for seven days a week instead of four so that's where we moved to that about 12 months ago cool was there much opposition to it no, there wasn't. Um, I think there was only out of our, not that we had a great deal of permanence at the time, but out of all the permanents that voted, I think there was only one or two that were a no to everyone else. But a lot of people, like I said, a lot of them were Dido, so they didn't live locally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would, it would equal less work days in a year anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
but the allowances went up because we're there for seven days a week. So mm-hmm. that was a that is a bonus, I guess. If they're gonna get you to do seven days a week, you want to be paid a little bit more. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, by the seventh day, I'm sure it's a bit of a drag. Yeah, <laughs> try especially when you know that you've got a week off coming. Yeah, up. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so you're a VP of a sub brand. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So if you could just um, for a lot of our members who are not in coal um would you be able to explain a bit how the coal sub branches work um well I don't know how others work but <laughs> uh, we've got our um well we've got our delegate or our president and then co-delegate VP so that's me um I suppose it'll be the same as much any committee our secretary which is also me mm-hmm. <laughs> um treasurer and then we've got a couple of other delegates around site just to so we're not the only two that people are coming to because we've got quite a big um, branch at the moment we've got about 55 members I think which was a big jump from last year which was not it was more than half of that but it was a lot smaller than it is now Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still learning so I've only been doing this role for a couple months so it's good to get down here and see what it's all about in that respect but at the moment, yeah, our president takes care of all our meetings and our um, all our bigger stuff. Uh, that's what I'm slowly learning to do is so when he's not there and can't do it, then I can run our monthly meetings and I can take care of things like disputes, which I've never had to deal with before. But, yeah, so far it's been really interesting. We didn't have much of a committee over the last few years and um, our president sort of tidied that up a lot so now we've got a proper committee everybody knows what we're doing we've just moved away from checkbooks oh wow (laughs) I know Mm -hmm. so we're a bit behind in that regard but we're getting a lot more digital getting everybody up to speed with that so we're running a lot more smoothly now which is nice cool so is it um is it like your 55 members are they um all based at your mine or is it Okay. Cool. Yeah, so our sub-branches are based on each mine. So we've got um, – I'm at Peak Down, so we've got 55 here. I'm not sure about how many of the other um, BMA sites have. But, yeah, so that's how we base ours. And that's really interesting to see um, at this conference how our neighbour sites are doing. So Suraji and Gunyala, and it's, yeah, interesting to see the issues that they've got and mm-hmm. the way that they run their things. And we had – couple people up from the New South Wales branch Um, and that was interesting to see the differences between how we do it and how they do it and the problems they've got and it's all very similar in the end but yeah it's good to see yeah yeah I'd imagine that um were there any things that um like New South Wales or even neighboring mines brought up as issues that you were like oh I haven't heard of that before or was it all kind of stuff you expected a few little things just the um different way in the way that their management wants to push things and some managements were very open to working with unions others were not Mm -hmm. but for the most part yeah we all share all the same issues it's just slightly different in the way things are handled and yeah and I think that's what was surprising not surprising but it was what the New South Wales fellas and what we sort of picked up was yeah it's all the same stuff just different places yeah definitely 
Um, and how did it come about that you stepped into the VP role? Like how did that kind of happen? Well, I, like I said, I've always been part of a union family. I know the importance of it. Initially, I just started, I think last year, a bit with the um, secretary role, just so I could do something. I'm doing a bit of study at the moment, so I didn't want to get too far into um, any other important roles. But our last AGM came around and ended up taking the um, VP role, which, yeah, it's been good. Um, our president, he's teaching me a fair bit, which is good to see. And all the um, the rest of our members have all been very helpful and very accommodating. I've never had any issues with any of the people on our um, in our branch, which is good. They've all been very accommodating and helpful. And cool. I think I always worry that I'm a bit... Um, what's the word, reserved, someone said. So I said shy, someone said maybe not shy, just reserved. Mm-hmm. So I always worry that I won't be able to be that person that can, like, for lack of a better word, fight, like, mm-hmm. if, if it came down to it. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm learning that it's, doesn't, it's not all as big and scary as you think it would be. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think that's going pretty good so far, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, I think, I mean, everyone, um, like, you know, if we, you look at our, like, most experienced delegates, they're not all the same kind of person. So no, I think and everyone that uses was a good thing strengths. about this delegate um, thing is just to see the different kind of people that everyone is. And mm-hmm. you see, you do see those staunch, and not just in our union, but those staunch fellas that will get up in people's faces. And you do, I feel like you need those people sometimes, but not mm-hmm. everybody has to be like that, mm-hmm. and which is good to see that maybe I won't be in too far over my head I think I'll hopefully I can work with what I'm good at and go from there yeah definitely yeah I think you do need you know um like sometimes you need the muscle for lack of a better term um (laughs) no matter who that's from but then also like you, you it's uh a strength to like be um it's like a sneak attack basically yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um to like if you are more reserved um if you like, you know, the EBA, you know, the laws and you can be strategic and you don't have to, you know, you don't always have to carry on. Yeah. You can yeah. in your own way, like the people kind of deal with things in their own way. Um, Cause yeah, I think if you try to be, you know, something that you're not comfortable with, then you're yeah. just going to feel, you're not going to feel good about doing it, I guess. And I think I found too, that it's like when you're standing up for other people as well it's a whole nother thing than if you're trying to stick up for yourself so when yeah. you've got that's the good thing about the unions and being together is that you know that they've got your back and you've got theirs mm-hmm. so you're not you're not alone so I'm not I wouldn't be up there like I'm not up there if I was to get in an argument I'm not there arguing for myself I'm arguing with my union behind me it's not just me versus them it's us versus yeah for sure and when you look at it that way like we've always got the numbers yeah yeah. (laughs) so you've got like you know you've got 55 new sub branch we've got like what fifteen thousand members in yeah and that was interesting to see how many we've got over the whole state and then over the whole country and stuff as well yeah yeah and I think that a lot I mean it is hard to conceptualize sometimes if you're in a room and it's just like you and a boss but yeah yeah yeah, like you know no matter what happens you've always got those people behind yeah so yeah which is a good thing and that's why everybody's always so heavy about um what do they call it uh united we stand divided we fall so you gotta have those people 
that have got your back. Definitely, definitely. And like what you said, it's it often is easier to stand up when it's about someone else's yeah, issue. Yeah, exactly. Because, right. <laughs> um, yeah, if it happens to you, you're like, oh, well, that's not good. And, like, I guess I'll sort that out. But yeah. if it happens to someone else, you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, um, like, that is a, a trade unionist mindset. Yeah. Really, is, like, you always kind of look out for each other. Yeah. Um, and in the same token, like, someone will be looking out for you even if you – um, find it hard to kind of stand up for your own issues yeah there'll be someone else who can do it for you cool thank you thanks for having me this podcast is produced by the electoral trades union queensland and northern territory branch